Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the first Dan Bongino show of 2018. Producer Joe, how are you today? Oh, it's a pleasure to be here, Dan. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you all. Thanks for a great 2017 show exploded in growth thanks to you, so we really appreciate that. Hey, starting off with a bang here in 2018, so uh, Joe and I were kind of chatting a bit before the show, and I said, you know, 2018 is going to be interesting because now all the liberal, hyperbolic, melodramatic, Mm -hmm. overly emotional nonsense about Trump and the Trump policies now, Joe. Yeah. We're going to see if it's true, right? So, you know, we had net neutrality was thrown out the window, meaning the government will not be allowed to control uh, the, the Internet. And, you know, millions of millennials panicked. And now we'll get to see, according to the liberals, in if when net neutrality passed in 2018, if thousands of Americans would die. <laughs> That's right. And we will see again in 2018 if cutting taxes on individuals and businesses uh, will cause growth or will cause stagnation. Thousands of Americans would die. <laughs> thousands of Americans will die. And we will also see when it comes to the individual mandate, if <laughs> thousands of Americans would die, we will also see with the cutting of massive amounts of red tape by Donald Trump if thousands of Americans would die. We will also see with the implementation, hopefully, of a new regime in the Department of Education if thousands of Americans would die. We will also see in Anwar if the opening up of the Arctic National Wildlife Reserve will result in thousands of Americans would die. We will also see... If the continuance of the Trump presidency and the failure of the Democrats to insanely impeach him will... Thousands of Americans would die. (laughs) Yes, this will be it. This will be it, folks. Will thousands of Americans die in 2018? You got to start out 2018 with a bang. That's the only way to roll. Thank you, Bernie. We rarely redo kind of segment ideas, but I thought there's no better time to give a hat tip to Bernie Sanders and his thousands of Americans will die than now. Because, folks, now we're going to see it. We're going to see right now what uh, what these tax cuts, what happens. And here's the reason I bring this up is not to be, you know, I get it silly and, you know, a little bit sarcastic opening up the show. But on a very serious note, Joe, during the Reagan years, Keep this in mind. Ronald Reagan won re-election in 1984 by the largest landslide in modern American history. He lost one state. He lost Minnesota, which was the home state of his opponent, Walter Mondale. And he only lost that state by around 3,000 votes. Now, people who are on the inside of the campaign will tell you that they didn't travel to Minnesota late in the game because they wanted to at least let Mondale win his home state because they felt bad. They almost beat him in his home state. They almost had a 50-state sweep. Why am I bringing any of this up? Because that was in an environment, Joe, with no talk radio, no Rush Limbaugh, no Mark Levin, no Sean Hannity, no Fox News, no Breitbart, no Conservative Review, no Daily Caller, no IJ Review, no Red State, no nothing. You had Walter Cronkite, you had Tom Brokaw, you had what Peter Jennings, and if it didn't appear on the nightly news, Joe, it didn't happen. Right. There was no interweb. Joking, the internet again. I just think that's funny. The interwebs. None of that was out there. People were propagandized nightly on the nightly news, and that was perceived by many as reality. And Reagan still won election in 1984, re-election, excuse me, by a massive, 
mammoth-style landslide. I'm bringing this up now because now that Trump has a legislative and 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 an executive office agenda, I'm, I'm I'm separating the two because his his war against government red tape was was not legislative. It doesn't have to be. Obama, remember Joe with the pen and the phone. Obama, yeah. I got a pen and a phone. What Obama meant by that and what he did is Obama couldn't pass things through the Republican Congress. So he just did a lot of it through executive orders and executive fiat. Well, the problem with that is the, they thought Hillary was going to replace Obama and it was going to codify these things into law when they took over the Senate and the House. None of that happened. So now when you when you regulate and you legislate by a pen and a phone, not through the proper way through Congress, Joe, uh, the pen and the phone got handed over to Trump, who promptly took the pen and the phone and threw it all out the window. <laughs> So his executive office actions by eliminating uh, government red tape, by using the Congressional Review Act to get rid of a lot of Obama garbage and clean out the mess he left us. Also, legislatively, his passing of this unbelievably prominent and important tax bill by getting rid of the individual mandate, by opening up ANWR. These are real legislative actions, folks. This matters. Now we're going to actually see in real time what happens. The reason I bring this up in relation to Reagan, though, is the results of the Reagan tax boom, the economic boom by, by, through his tax cuts, they were always slanted by the media. And I lived through the coverage, so did many of you. Remember this, Joe? It was like, well, this is just for the, the, you know, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting yeah. poor. It's Wall Street greed. You're all a bunch of Gordon geckos from Wall Street out there. Yeah. And people were like, wait, really? I mean, I don't know about you, Joe, but I remember those being pretty damn good years. The economy was booming just about everywhere. By 1984, we saw 6% growth. That's unheard of. That's three times what Obama's best year was. Three times. Not double, three times. And people saw it. But now, with the assistance, if this stuff works, the tax cuts, the, 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 the war on government red tape, the opening up of ANWR, the Dakota pipeline, interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal this weekend about how the North Dakota pipeline is producing just enormous amounts of wealth. They have surpluses in North Dakota right now. All of this stuff combined, again, the opening up of the Arctic National Wildlife Reserve for, for drilling and, and, and oil booms. All of this, Joe, if it leads to the prosperity in 2018 and beyond that I think it's going to lead to, now with Breitbart, Conservative Review, Daily Caller, IJ, all of these people I mentioned with Fox News out there, all of these outlets out there, CRTV, right? Right. Now people are going to hear about it, whereas before they had to feel it directly. In the Reagan years, people voted for Reagan because they saw their wallets getting fatter. You know, but if you were a younger kid in the economy that wasn't necessarily in the job market and your parents weren't directly affected, all you heard on the news was Reagan was Gordon Gecko. They were in it for the rich. Right. Now you're going to get different with these opening with the opening up of these information channels through through all those entities I just discussed. Now it's possible for you to see and hear and read about these things and people to forward you this stuff on Facebook and Twitter and to email you these articles. Hey, did you hear what's going on in the oil sector? Hey, did you hear what's going on in the finance sector? Hey, did you hear what's going on in the in the manufacturing sector? The elect the uh, you know the electrician local three sector in New York. Look what's happening in all these buildings. All of a sudden, we're building jobs are being created. Now the information channels have opened up. You almost have to try to be ignorant nowadays. No, Joe, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Even a guy like me on my Facebook feed who never likes anything that is put out by Democrats or liberals, not even for oppo stuff, Mm -hmm. I will still get liberal nonsense in my feed from friends of my wife's. Right. I will still get it in, I I use her page, but I will get it in um, in her feed. 
you're right. If you are now, I say that because think if you're a liberal and you really want to believe none of this is due to Trump ever at any time and for any reason, right, Joe? Yep. Sooner or later, after four or five articles a week about the economy's growing at 3%, the economy's growing at 4%, unemployment at historic lows, black unemployment, Joe, at a 17-year low right now, all of a sudden, you're right, Joe, you have to be willingly ignorant. You have to be saying to yourself, this is just ridiculous. Like, this is an absurdity at this point. Me continuing to insist that Trump has been bad for the economy. I may not, you may say, I may not like the guy, but it's time to wake up a little bit. All right. Today's show brought to you, and by the way, no better sponsor for today's show than our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. I know it's the new year. The new year, everybody's into resolutions. My resolution is so unbelievably uh, counterintuitive. Well, not if you're a regular listener, it wouldn't be. Joe, it, Joe would be like, what do you mean counterintuitive? You've been telling me this for years. My New Year's resolution <laughs> is to put weight on. <laughs> not to lose weight. My New Year's resolution is to add 25 pounds. I'm 215 of muscle. I don't want to, uh, it's a lot, but I want to add 25 pounds of muscle. I'm 43. I'm running out of time. I need to get up to 230, 235, 240. I have to. I know it's crazy. I have bigorexia. It's the opposite of anorexia. Really, I'm never big enough. So I have to put that weight on. Now, the way I'm going to do it is with my buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. And I got to tell you, one of the perks of having these guys as a sponsor, one of the benefits I get is that these guys send me free supplements. Sometimes I think like I love their stuff so much, I would keep them on as a sponsor just for the free supplements alone. They're that good. (laughs) But two of the staple products I'm going to rely on next year are Dawn to Dusk and Field of Greens. Dawn to Dusk is their energy pill supplement. It is absolutely terrific. Folks, if you have long days, and most of us do, blue collar, white collar workers, working parents, you know, you're having a tough time getting through the day, a lot of demands placed upon you, go try Dawn to Dusk. It is a 10-hour time-release energy product. The reviews on this product are stellar. I have pilots that send me stuff on it. I have blue collar workers. I have people who say, you know what? I couldn't get through the day. I couldn't focus. This stuff will give you a nice boost in energy, nice boost in focus, nice boost in mood, and it lasts about 10 hours. You don't have to worry about the highs and lows of coffee and energy drinks. Dawn to Dust. The second product is Foundation. This is one of my, uh, excuse me, Field of Greens Foundation is great too, but Field of Greens. Field of Greens is my staple diet product now. It is, it is basically ground up food. And you say, well, ground up food? Yeah, it's the ground up food you need, but you never eat. You know, the fruits and vegetables, the kale, the spinach, the cherries, the blueberries, all that stuff you never get in your diet because you're living busy. There's the probiotics, the prebiotics, you know that stuff? They ground it up and put it in a powder. You throw it in your juice. You throw it like me. You throw it in green tea. I put it green tea. I made a little V8 and collagen. That's my superfood. This stuff is amazing. Give it a shot. Get your fruits and and vegetable service. Great for overall health. Boost your immunity. There was just an article I read about people who eat fruits and vegetables and specifically salads, how their brains were 11 years younger. Go give Field of Greens shot go to brickhousenutrition.com slash dan that's brickhousenutrition.com slash dan love these guys hope to have a great 2018 with them and i know those resolutions you're looking to get healthier go give their products a shot brickhousenutrition.com slash dan okay um big story over the weekend you know not to continue continue to relitigate this trump russia thing i believe me i am as fatigued with this ridiculous story this conspiracy theory nonsense as you are i get it i totally totally understand but it's just amazing how the left just can't take a loss on this the story is over folks it's over this has been investigated now it's been the special counsel was started under a false premise there is still to this day zero evidence at all of any collusion for this uh, uh any collusion 
between Trump and the Russians to do anything in this uh, election. It's a nonsense story. Why am I bringing this up? Because now, Joe, the tide is turning on this investigation. Folks, this is very, very important you understand this. The tide is starting to turn. There are some very serious questions being asked about what happened to the Trump team now, in contrast to the questions the Democrats wanted asked, which was, Joe, what did the Trump team do? Mm-hmm. Now, the focus is starting to shift through the IG investigation of the FBI's behaviors during the Clinton investigation and the Trump-Russia special counsel. The question's starting to shift now to, hey, what happened to this Trump team? This doesn't sound right. Where am I going with this? One of the main questions, which I've only said on this show a thousand times, and I'm going to say again, and the most critical question I believe in politics right now is, was the fake dossier used to spy on the Trump team? Did information from a fake dossier with information supplied by Russian intel make it into a U.S. court to spy on a president-elect and people involved with a presidential campaign? It is the most critical question in politics today. If the answer is yes, we are in the midst of a constitutional crisis like no equal in modern American history. I believe that with... Every fiber and ounce of my being. Why am I bringing it up now? Folks, the Democrats are panicking over this. How do I know that? The New York Times put out a story this weekend, Joe. Mm -hmm. This is one of those, look squirrel. This is one of those look squirrel stories like I've never seen. The New York Times, by the way, Joe, more anonymous sources. There's not one oh, yeah. source on the record, of course, right? Now, I mean, anonymous. This is this is the New York Times. The New York Times, the kings, the kings and queens of fake news, <laughs> who have put out more Trump Russia fake news stories, and they put out legitimate journalism stories in 2017. The New York Times, which has been wrong on every major breaking scoop about Trump Russia, right? The Slimes puts out a story this weekend saying. Anonymous sources report that the dossier didn't start the Trump-Russian investigation. George Papadopoulos did it. Oh, man. This is one of those. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I, oh. I like, are you, re, you, you believe this? Come on, guys. What? What? <laughs> Thank you, Spider-Man. Absolutely. That was a perfect timing for Andrew Garfield from Spider-Man. What? Play that again. We need to hit him again. What? What? <laughs> Folks. This is the story they're trying that the New York Times to anonymous sources. Uh, no, I'll get to that in a second. I don't like this is the story they're putting out. That Papadopoulos was in a bar speaking. He was drunk in a bar one night speaking with a representative from a foreign government and is alleged to have told that representative from a foreign government that the Russians have dirt on Hillary Clinton. Wait. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and uh, this is not like an uh, uh, one of those pregnant pauses. This is if you're listening, going, um, okay. So I was a former federal agent, Joe. You remember that? I'm not patting myself on the back. Yeah. I d- really don't care. I, I just I, I'm establishing the fact that I've done these investigations before. And so what you're telling me is the most consequential special counsel investigation. In, in modern American history, an investigation and a spying operation into a presidential campaign, a sitting president and a, a president-elect 
was started because a Z-level staffer in a bar said that the Russians may have had dirt on Hillary Clinton when Joe and I were talking about this on the show, what, Joe, a year and a half ago when we talked about the friend of mine who told me about the server? So uh, let let me just ask you this. To the FBI folks or the DOJ folks who leaked this to the New York Times to, in my opinion, I think, distract away from the dossier story I'm not knocking the men and women of the FBI. Don't make any mistakes here. Don't dare, don't don't even dare go there. If you listen to the show, you know my focus has been on a small group of managers at the top, not the rank and file men and women. But somebody in the Bureau or the DOJ is very worried right now, Joe, that that dossier story is going to become public and the American people are going to find out that the DNC hijacked the FISA courts through Russian intel and spied on a president-elect in his campaign. They are terrified. You see where I'm going with this, show? So to, to, be, dis- yeah. to distract you from that story, they're saying, look, squirrel, mm-hmm. it wasn't the dossier, it was Papadopoulos. Now, if that's the case, that a, a, a drunk Z-level staffer in a bar said something that was widely assumed in the public, and it started the most consequential investigation in modern American history, man, the FBI needs a house cleaning then. And where I was going to go with it, I didn't want to get distracted, because I tend to do that when I get excited about a story, and I was jumping to talk about this today, is if that's the case... Why didn't someone, I mean, we had at the time, Joe, tens of thousands of listeners to the show. Why didn't someone in the Bureau contact me? Right? I mean, we mm-hmm. we said the same thing. Mm-hmm. But Joe, we said it with actual sources. Mm-hmm. With actual, like, credible, unimpeachable sources who said that this server was in the extremely strong likelihood this thing was hacked by foreign actors. And we had real, why didn't they contact us? Even better question, Joe. I, I get it. You're probably like, all right, don't. I'm, I don't. I'm not trying to put myself in the center of the story. I'm, I'm and I'm. I'm being slightly hyperbolic. I understand the FBI is probably not listening to my show. Who knows? They may be. I have no idea. But my point, Joe, is that you think Papadopoulos was the only guy on the planet, a Z-level staffer for the Trump campaign. I mean, a backbencher at at its worst. Mm-hmm. This was the only guy talking about foreign infiltration into the elections of people who may have had dirt on Hillary. Of course, they had everybody had dirt on Hillary. She put all the dirt on a private server that was hacked into. This is a shocker. So let me get this straight. Because Hillary put information on a private server that foreign hostile actors intercepted the information from and took the information, we should now start spying on Trump. And because a Z-level staffer said it, that's just that's legal justification to start tra- spying on Trump. Are you insane? Are you clinically nuts? You may need to see- seek help here. Psychologist, PsyD, PhD, MD, someone, psychiatrist, psychologist, whatever it may be, you may need to seek help. You are out of your mind. One other thing on this story. So the core point I'm trying to make is this is uh, this is a distraction. Mm-hmm. It's a distraction from the dossier story. But a second point on this is if that was the case and it was really legitimately Papadopoulos, then how come the, the FBI didn't interview Papadopoulos till after the, the Trump inauguration? In other words, Joe, if this was such a pressing issue that a, a Z-level backbencher 
who is who's alleged to have said, no one can even prove it, Joe, is alleged to have said that the Russians had dirt on Hillary, started the biggest, most consequential investigation in modern American history. Do you wait months to interview him? No. Uh, no? No, of course you don't. This is ridiculous. But of course, the lapdog New York Times that needs an excuse to distract away from the dossier had a run with this story. Absolutely unbelievable. All right, folks, it is the new year, so I wanted to cover, I, I, I didn't want to do a rough cuts today, but there was one cool story I saw I'm going to put in the show notes today. I strongly encourage you to check out this. Not necessarily political, but uh, you know, I'm in a good mood and I like health and nutrition. There was a story about organic foods. Hmm. It's like a big thing, you know, Joe? And yeah. I buy a lot of organic food. Um, it's a luxury we have in the wealthiest country in the world. You know, when you go to a lot of other countries that are struggling, they're like, organic food, just give us food. You can dump the organic label, you know? I mean, we're the wealthiest country on earth. We can afford to do this stuff. But there's an interesting piece at uh, TMAG, a website I, I, I like about working out nutrition. It's a little hardcore, but it, this information is very good there. And there's a piece I'm going to put in the show notes about some of the myths about organic food. Now, I buy it. I mean, this is not, it's not meant to be good or bad. I'm not knocking organic foods. But just a couple of quick things I want to throw out there, a little bit of lighter story for the New Year's, for those of you especially embarking on a, on a new diet plan, everything like that. Um, first myth was that people who eat organic foods are healthier. And they say myth because... Some of the research shows they are. So you may say, well, why is that a myth? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's not necessarily a myth, Joe, but remember, correlation doesn't necessarily equal causation. Yeah. Yeah, In yeah. other words, do healthier people naturally seek out organic food or does organic food make people healthy? You see what I'm saying? Sure do. Yeah. It's kind of like why I always am skeptical about those violent video games study. Like, did violent kids seek out violent video games or do violent video games make kids violent? Uh, nobody can really tell the direction unless you can provide adequate control so the answer is yes people who eat organic food can be healthier but no one knows if it's just because the guy gives a great example he's like listen if you're like a chain smoking drug addict the chances of you go and buying organic food are probably pretty slim so that's probably <laughs> skewing the data that was number one um number two was uh food you know are there lesser levels of food poisoning with people who eat organic food and the answer is no food poisoning it Foods organic or not, you could still get bacteria, you know, a, a fungus in it. You know, it, it, that's yeah. so get that out of the way. Uh, they are organic foods, however, research shows better on pesticides, which is, shouldn't surprise anyone. The whole principle of organic farming is that certain pesticides aren't used. So yes, they are better on pesticides. So that was interesting. Um, they can be better on healthy fats, organic meats, not necessarily eggs, the article emphasizes, but that some of the meats that are organic, Joe, can have higher levels of healthy fats. So that's a check mark plus for that. And finally, on vitamins and minerals, questionable at best, the data, whether they provide more vitamins and minerals or don't. So I just thought that was an interesting study. There's been a big... Uh, um, uh, rush for organic foods over the past decade and stuff. And I think some of us spend a lot of extra money on mm-hmm. on products. And I want to be sure I put that out there. I didn't want to do rough cuts, but I think it fits in with the new year and all this attention to new diet plans. All right, getting back to our, our uh, the hard politics stories. Folks, a, a lot happened in Iran over the weekend. I don't do a lot of foreign policy on the show. Um, I, I don't know why, actually. I enjoy it, but this isn't... A couple quick takeaways, because I don't want to beat you to death uh, over this. If you missed it, because it's been uh, an exciting weekend, I get it. People have things going on. Uh, There are protests that have broken out all over Iran. And in my opinion, there are two takeaways that you need to know from this story. This happened in 2009. Obama sat silent while the Iranian people protested against these these terrorists that, that run this regime over there. 
Trump spoke out right away. But the takeaway from this and what makes these protests different than the Iranian protests in 2009, here's number one. Number one, Joe, the protests are happening outside of very specific areas. In 2009, they were limited to certain areas where the regime, the terrorist regime in charge, Joe, mm-hmm. painted the protesters as these Thurston Howell type elites who were, you know, almost a class warfare struggle. Yeah. Like, look at these wealthy liberal elites and we're here, we're the regime and we're protecting your rights. And this is we're going to crush this protest. That's not what's happening now, folks. The geographic disbursement across the country in, in, in many, many big areas of Iran outside of the, you know, air quotes, liberal elite areas is is taking away a talking point from this terrorist regime and crushing it. That, oh, this is just a movement by the wealthy elites to, you know, the, to, the, the intelligentsia and we're going to take care of you. This is working class people who have had enough. That's takeaway number one. That's what makes these different. Secondly. Be careful of the narrative on this. The narrative, the narrative, the narrative, folks. That is all that matters to the left. The liberals, just like they're in a panic over the dossier, Joe, are also in a panic over the uprising in Iran. Hmm. Obama's legacy was centered, his foreign policy legacy, his most important accomplishment, and believe me, I'm using that term loosely, Joe. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, Joe's like, he's he's ready to vomit as I say that. His most important accomplishment, he thought, was a rebalancing of power in the Middle East away from Saudi Arabia and towards, away from um, these Sunni states to Shia states like Iran. He wanted that rebalance of power towards Iran from Saudi Arabia. I'm not extolling the virtues of Saudi Arabia or anything else. I'm just telling you that he felt like the region should be balanced, which was a nonsensical thing because the Saudis, for their legions of faults, um, at least their leaders don't openly profess death to America. They may, what they're doing behind the scenes is a, di- is a different issue, just as important in some respect, but they don't openly like chant it like the Iranians, okay? So giving things to the Iranians in an effort to counterbalance the Saudis is insane. You can balance power against the Saudis by exerting your own diplomatic pressure, not giving weapons to a regime that chants death to America. Bottom line is this. The Obama administration to sell this wanted you to believe that the Iranian regime in charge now had moderated. If you look up the words of Ben Rhodes, one of his national security advisors and chief clowns in charge, Ben Rhodes even said this in an interview that their effort was to change the narrative on the Iranians to a narrative that they had moderated. And that moderation, Joe, is what led the Obama administration to seek a rapprochement with them, right? Some Mm -hmm. form of reconciliation. That narrative is garbage. The Obama administration was seeking reconciliation with Iran way before this, quote, moderation. Now... Why is this so troubling for the Obama regime? Well, if they had moderated, Joe, and the people were generally happy with this new positive direction for Iran, the death to America regime, why are they in the streets attacking revolutionary guard buildings and and screaming, you know, death to Rouhani, the, the, the leader of Iran? Why are they doing that? The Obama narrative is falling apart in front of his eyes. Now, why am I bringing this up? Let's sum this up. The liberal media, again, first to distract from the dossier, that was story number one, to distract away from the Obama failure on Iran, is now trying to change the narrative. They're trying to make these protests about the economy. 
I tell you that because when you read these stories in the slimes and the Washington Compost and all these garbage far left outlets out there, be very cautious reading them if you see these insinuations and threads throughout the pieces that this is somehow linked uh, to the economy. It may have started at a small scale as an uprising about prices in the economy. But Joe, I want to be crystal clear on this. Mm-hmm. It was never about the economy. It was about the terrorist leaders who forced the bad economy on them and in turn have used their the, the weight of their government power to crush their own people. That's a far different narrative. Now, be very cautious in the reading of those pieces. Anytime you see something about, well, these are protests about the, you see where I'm going with this, show? These yeah, are not yeah, protests yeah. about the economy. No. That's the media doing a look squirrel moment, just like the dossier Papadopoulos story. They're covering for King Obama again. This is about a terrorist regime imposing a bad economy, imposing terror on their own people, imposing draconian laws, making women go out in public, you know, uh, in a ninja suits. I mean, it's ridiculous ridiculous and the media can never tell the damn truth and it's really upsetting folks economy my butt all right where do we go next uh, okay today's show also brought to you by buddies at my patriot supply this is a good time folks to be uh, prepared for the new year when i say be prepared you know we we have to prepare you ensure your homes you know it's it's a winter up north you know you weather strip your windows you keep the heat out but one of the th- one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm always shocked to, to hear this from people is they don't prepare. They don't prepare a, an emergency food supply. And when you ask them, it's interesting. You know, when I get into talk about my sponsors, this company comes up sometimes, My Patriot Supply, and they're like, well, you know, it's not going to happen here. And you know, I mean, we, you know, we always have supermarkets and stuff like that. Do you? Are you sure? I mean, are you sure if we had a massive blackout, uh, an EMP attack, if we had another superstorm? Are you absolutely sure that you're prepared? Now, here's the thing about My Patriot Supply. Like, the food lasts 25 years. That's 25 years. You can get a one-month emergency supply of food for just $99. Folks, $99 for peace of mind. I have probably 10 boxes because I have kids. I have two kids and a spouse. So for me, it's absolutely critical that I'm never going to look my kid in the eye one day and say, Daddy doesn't have any food. God forbid there's an emergency. Folks, go pick it up today. It's a great time to do it with the new year. A lot of you have gift cards you're looking to spend. This is one of the best, smartest ways to just put a little bit of insurance in the pot for your family. Go to preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com and go pick up your one month supply of emergency food today at My Patriot Supply. Just $99, folks. It's worth your time. Go check it out. Preparewithdan.com. Last for 25 years. 25 years. I used to say, as my read, that I will probably be long dead by then, but people, I love my audience show. They got genuinely offended. They would email me and be like, Dan, you're not going to die in 25 years. We love you, man. I was like, wow, thanks. I appreciate that. So I don't say that anymore, but the food will last 25 years. Me, I'm still up in the air on that. Not sure. But go give it a shot. Preparewithdan.com. Pick it up today. Your emergency supply of food. All right. uh, Let's see. Oh, Oh, I saw this one this morning, right at the last minute. You know, it's New Year's. I had to do Fox and Friends this morning, so I had a busy show prep uh, morning. I had to get up early, you know, after a late night and get all this stuff done. Mm -hmm. And I saw this one. I'm like, this is the greatest story ever. Bill de Blasio, the uh, socialist mayor of New York City. uh, De Blasio gave himself a raise, Joe. 
Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it was nice of him, right? Giving himself uh, a raise. Yeah. I think it was 222 a year, 222K. He's giving himself a raise up to uh, 252 or so. Oh, $33,000 right. raise. And I, I just have a really simple question. And I'm I'm really asking these questions for our, our liberal friends out there because I know we have liberal listeners because I get the, the hate email from them. That's okay. You're welcome here. You're also welcome to send hate email. I have this one joker who emails me all the time. And I email him back a lot just to mess with him. And it's like he never gets enough. He keeps emailing me back and I keep emailing. It's, it's kind of fun to back and forth. So for you liberal <laughs> listeners out there, I have a really simple question for you. What of your, um, what do you describe? One of your key talking points, because it's only a talk, you don't really mean it. One of your key talking points on issues, especially things like healthcare, is, and, and you've heard this before, Joe, is that, you know, oh, there should be no profit in medicine. Oh, yeah. There should be no profit in medicine, and the rich need to pay their fair share, and you know, government's a benevolent force in our lives, and we should turn money over to the government because the government knows how to redistribute it to other people, and yeah. the government knows what's best. You don't. Now, just focusing for a moment, because I've heard this talking point uh, over and over and repeatedly, there should be no profit in healthcare. It's kind of amazing that people like de Blasio, who subscribe to that ideology on things, a profit's some kind of evil thing, have no problem whatsoever, Joe, profiting handsomely from government. This guy is going to get over a million dollars for his four years in office, not even including the perks of the office, by the way, and the post office, uh, post mayor uh, book deal and everything he gets. This guy is going to become a multimillionaire, but is getting $250,000 a year, gives himself a $33,000 raise. And what nobody sees this as a little odd. I mean, guys, ladies, if, if you genuinely believe what you're saying, that government is a benevolent force in our lives, then why does a guy like de Blasio support taking an additional $33,000 away from government and putting it in his pocket when according to your own your own stance on healthcare should be no profit in healthcare. He's profiting. And your own stance on the rich, well, they should pay more. They should pay their fair share. Why are you giving more to this guy? According to your own economic rules, he doesn't, Joe, need it. Mm-hmm. You know, they always tell the rich what they need. You don't need all that money. You don't know what I need. You know, clam up. Shut your soup cooler. You have no idea what I need. You don't know what I need or don't need or how hard I work. You, you what, what you need is up to you. What I need is up to me. But I just find it so hypocritical that a guy who openly subscribes to socialist principles so easily takes more money out of the government coffers, puts it in his own wallet, as he's arguing against a profit motive for anyone else any in any other arena that wants to do that for themselves. But no, Joe, no hypocrisy there whatsoever. I, yeah. It's just... Uh, just a little more equal than you and me. I love that line. That's a great line. Yeah, he believes in equality. Just him being just a tad yeah. bit more... E- oh, gosh, what's the... There's a... Ah, oh, I'm losing it. There's a book, and I'm I I always right at the most inopportune time. I'll think of it. I'll hopefully I'll bring it up by tomorrow's show. Oh, well, was it Animal Farm? Anim- I think it was Animal, animal farm. farm. Yeah, the animals. All animals are equal, but the, yeah, that's right. That's what I was thinking yeah. of. I always at the, at the most inopportune time. Sometimes my brain goes into whiteout mode. All right, uh, let's see. Oh, here's the last story of the day. This is a. This is another doozy. I'll have all these in the show notes. Uh, folks, please, I'm, I'm asking you as a friend that helps me a lot. Please sign up for my email list at Bongino.com. I, I don't want, you know, I don't want to force it. If you don't like getting a lot of emails, I totally understand. But I, I put a lot of work into putting the five or six, I think, best stories in conservative media on one email list every day. Um, they're always available at Bongino.com. That's fine. But if you subscribe to my email list, I'll send them right to your email box, uh, email inbox. I, I really appreciate that. And here's a really good one. 
There's a professor at a college, Joe, who is recommending that, this is in the Washington Examiner, Mm -hmm. students display gender pronoun name cards now. So, you know, this is to prevent any confusion between the professor saying like, (laughs) "Um, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones, what do you mean, Mr. Jones? Well, I don't know, Mr. Jones. You look like a man to me. You have the biological parts of a man. I am not Mr. Jones, Professor. I am Z. XE. That's a real thing they use, by yeah. the way. I am Z or they. Okay. Uh they. Uh, I mean, well, how do you even follow that up with a question? But they they the this professor's requesting these gender pronoun things. Now I've I've this is just amazing to me again. And it just goes to show you the absolute hypocrisy of the far left and how they never see it. I'm following up this up with the de Blasio story because again, they're blind to living by their own rules. De Blasio wants the rich to pay more and thinks the government's a benevolent force in his life. As he takes more money from the government and doesn't pay more, he takes more away. So forget that, you know, that forget living by your own principles. Mm-hmm. But here, this is fascinating because For decades, liberals have told us, while Republicans were fighting the civil rights fights, by the way, folks, that should always be kept in your head. I I, I don't want to over-dramatize history, but it's critical you understand that the civil rights fights were led by Republicans against Democrats. Dinesh D'Souza brings up a fascinating point in some of his lectures. He says, and this is a fact, There is not one pro-segregation law that was passed by anything other than a Democrat-led legislature or a Democrat governor. Not one. That's an amazing little tidbit of information. It was the Republicans who fought the civil rights fights. Not to relitigate history. Why am I bringing this up? Because forever, Joe, we have fought these fights against the labeling of people, the labeling of people by physical characteristics, the labeling of people um, by, by sexual orientation, the labeling of people um, by, by gender and just treating people equally. In other words, it was Republicans who fought the fight against, uh, you know, what they would say, like hyphenated Americans, Hispanic Americans, black Americans. You're just Americans. We want you to be treated as co-equals in this government, in this in this collective landmass we call home. And what's really disturbing and troubling, it is now the left and the liberals who are resorting back in retrograde fashion and are devolving, not evolving, to a labels-based society dictated exclusively by a name card you put on your chest. Now, I explained a little bit about that. I don't want to redo last week's show, but I explained why they want that, why they want the label to matter. Remember, Joe, I just want to be clear what I'm saying. If I'm getting confusing here, stop me. You're good. for, for, For decades, we've been told by media folks that it's liberals who led the war against labels. People need to be treated equal. None of that's actually true. Again, it was a Democrat party that supported segregation in every way, shape, or form. No Republicans at all. None of that's actually true. But it's the media that wants you to believe that it's the liberals fighting for equality. They're not fighting for equality. They're fighting for subcategories of people. That's what they're fighting for. They are are now fighting to relabel society. They are fighting to relabel society so the label before the hyphen American takes precedence over the American part. Mm-hmm. In other words, Joe, yeah. did you notice liberals never say American, black, American, Hispanic? Yeah, they say yeah. black, American, Hispanic, American. That's not by mistake. Yeah. 
This is done to put as a prominent feature of your life a label they put on you. Now, by playing this silly pronoun game, you are playing into the liberal game of label first, everything else second. Why do they want the label first? Because the label is what enables them to place you in a very specific victim class. Uh Yes, once they have you in that box, that victim box, whatever the label is that you proudly pin on your chest in the form of a gender pronoun, a hyphenated American label, union, non-union, man, woman, whatever label that that is, rather than American, co-equal citizen, when you place that label first, It is inevitable that at some point, liberals will tell you how someone is coming after you and they're going to protect you. They need you to believe you are under constant attack when you're not. To place in your head the idea that they are going to be the Praetorian Guard that's going to protect you against the coming onslaught. This is the sole value of identity politics for the left. I know I said some of this in one of the prior shows, but I saw this story and I thought to myself, this is it. This is what they do. It is the relabeling of society. And what's sad about the story, and I think the salient point in here, the takeaway, is how people so easily, easily play along. Yep. That you're in college And instead of being there, Joe, to get an education, to build a life for your spouse, your kids in the future, to build a life for yourself, to be able to take care of your parents, to be able to take care of your brothers and sisters, to be able to add productively to the greatest country on earth, your sole reason for being in college is to pin a name card on your chest with a pronoun, frankly, irrelevant to the continuing prosperity of you and your kids. Hard work is the distinction. You know what? It may be important to you personally. It matters. It, it, nobody is going to judge you by that. Only in the negative if you place prominence and, and that over anything else. But they go there, and this is what they have you believing, that pinning a name card on your chest was the was the focus for you being in college as a sole effort to create a victim class for you so the entire four years in college you can learn to get out and learn why uh, during those four years of college why everything wrong that's happening to you is happening to you because of conservatism and liberty it's just it, it, it's just disturbing folks it really is it's a uh, it's just troubling how so people so easily play along I mean is this really it? hyphenated Americans, gender pronoun labels. This is what we've come to. Can you just like exist as an American citizen and focus on being treated as a person, as a human being of value because you are, not because you're some label the liberals want you to live. I mean, want you to live your life under the umbrella of, don't you realize you're being played for a fool? You're being played for a sucker. (sighs) All right. I know I said it was last story, but one quick note before we go, Um, I brought up, they asked me this morning on Fox what I thought the most important story of 2017 was. And I think the most critical story was Trump's personnel decisions. I want you to never forget this, folks. In government, people are policy. And the appointment of people like Naomi Rao and regulatory affairs to get rid of these boatloads of red tape. John Kelly to streamline what's going on in the White House after a bit of opening chaos, right? The appointment of Mick Mulvaney at OMB. This is the genius of Trump. Trump doesn't have to know everything, Joe. He doesn't have to be a four-star general. He doesn't have to be a PhD economist. He doesn't have to be a PhD in organizational psychology. All he has to do is find the right people who understand these things and understand how to make the the machinery of government work and work better. And that's what he did.
people are personnel. And I brought that up on Fox this morning. It's a point we should also continue to hammer home that, you know, that this uh, Trump's Trump's genius has been putting a team on the field that can win games. All right. Thanks again for tuning in, folks. Happy New Year. Thanks for everything. Please go to Bongino.com, subscribe to my email list, and I will see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.